What's going on, good people? And welcome to Live by the Three of Raptors podcast with your boy Curly. Give me a follow on Instagram at Live by the Period Number Three and on Twitter at Live by the Zero Three. On December first, can't believe it's already December first. On a Friday night, the Raptors are playing host to the New York Knicks, a New York Knicks team that has big aspirations this season. They're currently sitting at twelve and six at the start of this game. The Raptors going in at nine and ten with a decent record at home if you were the Raptors but coming off a victory against the Phoenix Suns team where they were smaller in comparison I always feel the teams in our division seem to give us the most fits and while the Raptors should win against a New York Knicks team with their ability to find advantages at certain positions the Knicks have always been a foe that the Raptors could not push over easy. They're physical, they're aggressive. Tom Thibodeau has this team and his aggressive style and intense style is perfect for this New York Knicks team and their players are bought in. So going into tonight's game from a stylistic standpoint and in terms of being on the same page and familiarity, the New York Knicks certainly have an edge. And while the Raptors did come out aggressive in the first quarter, the Knicks stayed patient, waited for their opportunities, and slowly but surely picked the Raptors apart. Now, none of the main pieces outside of maybe Julius Randle, and I'm referring to Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett, they had a tough shooting night. Julius Randle had a very efficient 20, 10, and 9. He was on triple-double watch. Didn't shoot it particularly well from 3, but shot over 50% in the game. He went 3-for-3 three three from the free-throw line. Brunson went 9-for-21. Barrett went 6-for-18. The Raptors did a phenomenal job on the main pieces. Now, there were moments where they were able to waltz into the defense, into the soft part of the paint, and was able to create those paint opportunities but the Raptors in turn were hunting down the mismatches like they normally do Pascal was certainly efficient in terms of getting his getting into his spots Jacoperto was a consistent presence tonight as well but Scotty Barnes my goodness super efficient super aggressive like he's always been and he got it going from three and I think for me, what was really concerning as this game continued on is that the Raptors weren't able to get stops. Not only were they not able to get stops, they just seemed to lose their players in transition. And that's something that the Raptors have battled all season long, in my humble opinion. But as the game went on, Scotty continued to torch the Knicks defense Pascal was creating opportunities at the free throw line, keeping the Raptors in it. But they could not get efficient scoring tonight from other key guys. OG went 4 for 13. Schroeder went 3 for 10. Boucher was 4 for 10. Precious Achua was 4 for 11. Trent was 2 for 6. You go on and on. There was only three players that shot around 50%, and it was Jakob. Scotty and Pascal. It just seemed like everything the Raptors tried to run offensively was just clunky, not enough space, was forced, or they took terrible shots outside of 
the the main three that I mentioned in Yak, Pascal, and Scotty. That with all that being said, that's not even the worst part of tonight's game. It would have to be the three ball. The New York Knicks were left open more times than not. They were getting out in transition, driving kick opportunities. Wherever the Raptors overplayed, the Knicks found the advantage, found the open man, and in the second half, completely lit them up from beyond the arc. And that was the difference in the ball game. And the Raptors lose to the New York Knicks 119 to 106, where the Knicks shot 45 for 90 from the field at 50%, 16 for 36 from three at 44%, and 13 for 16 from the free throw line at 81%. The Raptors were super aggressive tonight, and you love to see it. But the quality of shots, it wasn't consistent. And then when the New York Knicks reacted to Pascal, reacted to Dennis, or reacted to Scotty, they just weren't able to knock down the open shots. And shot 44 for 100 from the field at 44%, 6 for 32 from 3 at a dismal 19%, and 12 for 17 from the free throw line at 71%. Now, when we look at the advantages at the other stats... The Raptors leaned into their strengths. They were aggressive on rebounds, both defensively and offensively. They led in points in the paint, 60 to 48. Second chance points, 23 to 16. Fast break points, 22 to 13. And 14 to 11 with points off turnovers. And you hear all of that and you're like, wow, the Raptors did everything that they could. Despite their limitations offensively, they managed to do all that they could do from an offensive standpoint. They got out, they ran in transition, they dominated the points in the paint, second chance points, you name it. All things that the Raptors do very, very well. They also had 12 turnovers, which isn't very good, but it's not 17, 15, or 22, or some of the numbers that we have seen this season. It really came down to one simple thing. The three ball. The Raptors shot 6 for 32, and the Knicks shot 16 for 36. Josh Hart went 3 for 4. Dante DiVincenzo, whom I thought was a great Raptors target, he went 7 for 9. Brunson went 3 for 8, and Barrett and Randall hit 1-3 apiece. Even Emmanuel quickly managed to get a 3 as well. And I never thought there would be such a disparity in one part of the game. The Raptors dominated them in most categories, in offensive categories off that, and offensive categories at that, but somehow was still not enough. And then when you look at a game like this, and the Raptors tried to address their shooting with the signing of Otto Porter and the drafting of Grady Dick, it certainly begs the question... How are the Raptors going to be a sustainable team with this particular limitation? It's going to be a tough sell. And I think it's very unrealistic to have an expectation that this team is going to go out and dominate every single night without the ability to space the floor. More importantly, how are you going to beat teams when you're exchanging threes for twos in this day and age, you have to have shooting. They interviewed Masai Ujiri, and he said that 
It's been a roller coaster ride, and that's putting it lightly. It's been a roller coaster ride for the last couple of seasons. And he also mentioned that we're still trying to adjust to this new play style. Even Coach Darko is begging the question that we have to search for our identity. And that, to me, is a very big foundational issue that you literally don't know which version of this team is going to show up. But then you see games against Phoenix, you see games against Dallas, and you see games against Milwaukee, and it gives you reassurance that this team is going to be all right. And maybe, just maybe, this team is struggling with their identity, and maybe the players continue to adjust to their new role. But you have to be honest about the limitations of this team. And I think everybody has caught on and is willing to accept this. Maybe the small minority might have issues or an exception to this. But this front office has to be honest with themselves. That this team has limitations. This team lacks guard play. This team lacks shooting. And all the other things that I've mentioned for the last couple of seasons. But most notably this particular season. This team as currently constructed is a tough sell. For three upcoming free agents in Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Gary Trent Jr. Despite all of that, Pascal has voiced his opinion and wanting to stay with this team. OG has remained silent. And Gary Trent Jr., I imagine, would love to stay with this team. But he also wants to get paid. And this is not a young team. We need to accept that. This is not a young rebuilding team. This is a team that has a blend of veterans and upcoming players which reinforces this notion of building and contending at the same time and right now the Raptors and the Raptors organization is struggling to do the two this front office has continued to kick the can down the road has continued to ask these players to overextend themselves and do things that they might not be comfortable doing or might not have the ability to do day in and day out and this is tough I would never question this team's commitment and heart to winning though at times it does beg the question whether they're trying to win or not but this team is full of professionals this team is full of guys that are looking to name for themselves and have grinded to the points of their career where they're finding success i would never talk down or question any one of these players hearts but it's not enough and these guys are working their butts off to come out on the losing end and this front office has a responsibility to this team to their homegrown talent, and especially for their future all-star and Scotty Barnes to build a winning team around their core pieces. And if they don't, they're doing a huge, huge disservice to the squad. All right, off my soapbox, got that off my chest. So let's quickly look at the individual stats tonight. Pascal Siakam, as I mentioned, has continued to take strides in the right direction. Was not very efficient offensively continues to struggle from three i think he's shooting less than 10 percent from three and that's certainly not helpful at all defensively it's something that i've been really paying attention to some days he looks good some days he does not and that could be signs of age that could be signs of a, of an athletic decline 
it it is noticeable sometimes in some of the games like this and you get so caught up by what he can do offensively and you can see what he's able to do defensively especially in years past but it is something worth noting that at moments Pascal struggles on that side of the ball and it could be minutes it could be fatigue it could be not being in the right position I certainly believe that he should not be guarding point guards or or small guards on, on a consistent basis or at least um, give him times to catch a breather in between I think it's wasted energy and certainly does not help Pascal's cause when he's trying to create on the opposite end and I'm not making excuses for him Pascal can be better he's he's been in the league long enough that he should be able to figure it out being all NBA being an all-star you didn't accomplish that by not making adjustments and not doing anything so I'm sure he's continuing to work it I'm sure he's acknowledging it he continues to put in the work and you see it every single offseason and it's been a slow roll and I think there's still an adjustment period but you are encouraged that he has made the adjustment 21 points 8 rebounds 3 assists on 7 for 16 shooting from the field 0 for 4 from 3 but 7 for 8 from the free throw line OG Ananobi not his best game offensively and he hasn't had a game like this in a long time, uh, dealing with the likes of R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, it's it's certainly a tough sell for OG. And there's been some nights that he's able to give it to you on the offensive end as much as he is on the defensive end. And he did his job tonight. Uh, it's just unfortunate that he could not have the impact offensively that we desperately needed tonight. Nine points, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, two blocks on four for 13 shooting. One for six from three and no attempts at the free throw line. Whenever I see OG not generate free throw opportunities, I think it's so bizarre to me. Like, he's such a physically dominant player and he knows how to use his size for the most part. And it's just a tough sell. I, I, I really don't know how he doesn't generate those free throw opportunities. And, and partially it could be that he's not getting the calls and he's not getting the respect because of his lack of fluidity on getting downhill with some craftiness but you see flashes of it it's just he can't lean into it as often as he does but I think at minimum OG should be averaging at least four attempts a game with the way that he plays and he's and the ability to get out in transition or create steals in the passing lanes it's just strange and and I'll never understand it Scotty Barnes what can you say about Scotty that already hasn't been said was locked in defensively, got five steals. He gave it to you on the offensive end, and then it didn't matter who was on him, whether it was Randall, Mitchell Robinson, Hartenstein, it didn't matter. Scotty was able to exploit almost everything at a very efficient clip against the New York Knicks. The only thing that he was missing from his arsenal was the free throw attempts, and he didn't need to because he was hitting all the buckets. And... It's just tough that you see Scotty trying to will the team and it's just not turning into something fruitful the way it should. But you are encouraged that he was able to exploit the New York Knicks and was very efficient doing it. 29 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 steals, 1 block on 13 for 19 shooting from the field, 3 for 7 from 3, and 0 for 1 from the free throw line. Jakob Pertl, another solid game from him. Uh, was a zero and a plus minus, so you are encouraged by that. Only one turnover, two blocks, had 12 rebounds, giving him a double-double tonight with 12 points on a very efficient 6-for-9 shooting. I think Jakob has figured it out. It's just a matter of that impact. 
he can do this in his sleep. I, I, I truly believe that. I love that he's being more active on the offensive glass. He had four tonight. And I think the only knock against him is that he's not able to bring the big out of the paint and create opportunities for, you know, Scotty, OG, Pascal, whomever is making their way into the paint. Dennis as well, obviously. And was not much of a liability in terms of the screen and roll. I just don't like it when the offense pulls him out of the paint and they put him in a screen and roll situation. The lack of mobility, the lateral quickness even, is not there, and I wish that they can minimize it. But as I said, you will take a 12-12 and game from Jakob Pertl. Dennis Schroeder started off the game hot, faded towards the end, was not able to get into the paint like he has in the past. I thought he forced it a lot from three, but it was literally what the Knicks were daring him to do, and unfortunately did not cash them in tonight. Though they've happened a few times this season, but he has been better than this. 10 points, 9 assists, 1 rebound on 3 for 10 shooting from the field, 1 for 6 from 3, and 3 for 4 from the free throw line. When we look at the role players, Chris Boucher was the best player by far. He brought it defensively. He was very active, very disruptive. He was very aggressive on the offensive end. There is literally no reason why Chris Boucher should not be getting minutes. I don't care what the matchup is. You need Boucher's aggression offensively because there's nobody else bringing it. Precious definitely tries to, but if I'm looking between the two in terms of somebody who plays under control, looks for his opportunities, and waits for it, Chris Boucher certainly has the edge. He's certainly more patient. I agree that Precious is more versatile in terms of his effect on the floor, both offensively and defensively. But you got to look at impact, you got to look at efficiency, and Chris Boucher really clears Precious in that regard. And this game could have been a lot worse with, if it was not for Boucher's point production. 11 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal on 4 for 10 shooting from the field, 1 for 4 from 3, and 2 for 3 from the free throw line. Jalen McDaniels continues to be in the positive side of the plus minus. He was a plus 8 tonight, and I guess it's some of the things that he's able to do defensively, but... Did not have it offensively tonight. Two points, two rebounds, one assist on one for four shooting from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. He definitely needs to figure it out, and the Raptors have a responsibility to put him in a position to be successful. I think the transition 3 is something that the Raptors should really, really consider more times than not. Precious Achua, as I mentioned, tough game for him offensively. He was doing his part defensively, but it was really the offensive end that suffered. He just could not get it going. The bigs of the New York Knicks were certainly disruptive enough, really threw him off. It just seemed like everything was forced tonight. Eight points, six rebounds, one assist on four for 11 shooting from the field and 0 for 1 from three. No attempts from the free throw line. Like an OG, very surprised with the way that he plays that he's not able to generate a lot of free throw opportunities. Malachi Flynn... Not his best game. Definitely had a hard time dealing with the likes of DiVincenzo quickly. Grimes and Brunson uh, was not able to get much going offensively. But you are encouraged by his four assists and his effort on the defensive end. He was able to get a block. But he unfortunately went goose egg for this game on 0 for 2 shooting. And Gary Trent Jr. seemed a little hesitant tonight. And that could be credit to the Knicks defense. They... Ran him off the line, and he had to settle for mid-range jump shots. He had a couple floors baseline that he got to go down. 
he just did not look settled. And again, credit to the Knicks being aggressive, allowing not allowing Gary to get comfortable at all. And he unfortunately did not cash in the opportunities when they were presented to him. Four points, one rebound, four assists. You are encouraged by that. But again, not his strength. You need to be able to provide it offensively as well on two for six shooting from the field and 0 for 1 from 3 and 0 for 1 from 3 and 0 for 1 from the free throw line. I know I mentioned this before talking about a quote-unquote scheduled loss but I didn't feel like this was a scheduled loss. I think this was a team that might have taken the Knicks for granted that felt that they would be able to come back into the game like they have multiple times this season and the Raptors need to recognize that when a team is being physical like the New York Knicks or have the length to guard them like a Boston Celtics, it's going to be challenging for them to impose their will for a full 48 minutes. And for the most part, I will credit the Raptors. They did that tonight. They really only lost the game from the perimeter. 16 threes to six is a very tough sell, and you're not going to win many games shooting with that kind of percentage. Pascal certainly has struggled from three more so than we would like. Gary Trent Jr. struggles as well. Boucher sometimes, Precious sometimes. You go down the line. It is very challenging for the Raptors to get answers to address the three-point shot from within. I'm just curious to know why Otto Porter Jr. is not playing. Maybe he's not healthy, but we can certainly use him. And I think there's an opportunity where we have to implement him in some capacity and hopefully with the 905 stints for Grady Dick that he can come back and he he gets it going. But again, if you are depending on a rookie to solve your shooting woes, you are certainly mistaken and you deserve to lose basketball games. There's, there's no sugarcoating it. Grady should not be our savior. He should definitely be a contributor, but he should not be the solution to all our problems. And I really feel that this front office has tried to do that with a lot of their free agent signings and ask them to plug one problem but solve others, and it might not necessarily be their strength. So it's tough, man. It's certainly tough when you lose games just on one particular side of the ball. And we knew this team lacked shooting. This is a game where the lack of shooting really cost them the basketball game and it's unfortunate with that the Raptors are 9 and 11 and they get an extended rest and I think it's definitely needed for the way that this season has gone on in the early parts getting Milwaukee getting Minnesota getting Dallas getting Sixers twice Boston twice it's been tough for the Raptors and they certainly have earned a break up until this point You may argue that it was earned, quote-unquote, but the way that the schedule has gone on, the back-to-backs, you can say like it's part of being a professional athlete, but these guys are human. They're not machines, and they deserve a break. And maybe the break is exactly what they needed, so they don't play until next Wednesday, December 6th. Still at home, hosting a Miami Heat team that's currently sitting at 11-8, and dealing with a bunch of injuries. Jimmy Butler's in and out of the lineup, Bam Adebayo now is dealing with a hip issue. Tyler Hero is still out, which I believe is a foot injury or a high ankle sprain. But the one thing about the Miami Heat is that they will never give up. They don't give up. They are relentless and very determined. Next man up is their mantra, and they certainly bring it 
every single night. And the Raptors are definitely going to have to match their energy and match their intensity if they want to have a chance of winning the basketball game. So when I look at some keys to victories for the Raptors, they have to match the intensity of the Heat. Like, that is non-negotiable. The intensity, the physicality, the determination of this team, they're well-coached, they're well-prepared. The Raptors are going to have to bring it. They have to match it if they're going to have a chance of winning the basketball game. Even with key pieces out of the lineup, they give you fits. They have young pieces, guys playing for contracts, guys playing on two-way deals, and they maximize their opportunity. Not to mention that they still have the quote-unquote growth in Kyle Lowry that's always going to be a threat, that is always going to push the tempo, keep the pressure on the defense. You have to be able to match their energy. Taking care of the basketball, you do not want to give them runouts, and you definitely do not want to leave them open from three. If the Raptors play any sort of defense like they did against the New York Knicks, it's going to be a tough sell, especially if the Raptors don't have consistent shooting. It's hard to tell what this team is going to look like come Wednesday night. I'm talking about the Miami Heat, but I'm certainly hoping that the Raptors take this time to address their issues, to address the shortcomings defensively, to to address the shortcomings, especially on the offensive end, and find ways to put people in the right position to be successful, and more importantly, find a way to incorporate some shooting. I know it's very tough with the limited spacing, but you have players that can stretch the floor, put them in the right position, and as I mentioned, try to create those transition three opportunities. Keep it simple, give yourself a good chance of winning the game, but we will see how all that plays out on Wednesday night. And I'll leave it off there, folks. Thank you to all listeners doing all for tuning in. I appreciate every single one of you. I apologize for the long, in-depth, or long-winded, depending on how you look at it, pod. But a lot of things needed to be said tonight. And I think we have to continue to have an honest conversation about this team. I think it's important that we be realistic with this team. And they have a lot of great things, as I've said multiple times on this pod. But we have to be able to acknowledge the weaknesses as well. Do I think they could be better? Yes. Do I think their record is a reflection of this team? I absolutely do not. When you have players like Pascal, like Scotty, like OG, and you go down the line, you should be better. It's just they haven't figured it out. But at 21 games in, if you haven't figured it out yet, the cause for concern is right around the corner. If you have not done so already, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It'll mean so much if you take the time to do so. And I just want to build on a tweet that I put out, uh, giving a shout out to all the listeners, new and old. I, When I say I appreciate every single one of you, I appreciate every single one of you. Getting the stats, getting over 8,000 plays, the, the percentages of streams going up, all of this is not possible without you. And it keeps me going. It keeps me motivated. I love the discussion that we're able to have. I love the discussions that we have online. Continue to... Keep it going. Let's continue to grow this pod. Share it, like it, review it, whatever you can do to support your boy. I appreciate it. And everything that you all have done up until this point, thank you, thank you, thank you. And until the next episode, which will be in a few days, be on the lookout for a weekly pod before the game. I'm definitely going to try and get one out. I'm not going to tell you who's going to be on it. If you want to know or you want an idea, look at the previous pod. It'll give you an indication definitely will try to get one out before Wednesday and if I don't there will definitely be one come Wednesday night so please until then everyone please continue to stay healthy and stay safe good people peace